You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. David Eichel here for the Swarmcast HawkeyeInsider.com. Pleased to be joined by Nathan King of our Auburn 247 site, host of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. They do an absolutely tremendous job over there on the Auburn beat. So if you need anything Tigers-related ahead of this week's matchup, be sure to go check out their site. Nathan, I appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule, man. It uh, should be a fun week. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to uh, to meeting y'all coming, making the trip all the way down. Of course, it's easy for us. I'm sure it's not a very easy, uh, not very easy <laughs> travel for you guys. Hey, I got better attitude than the uh, the Houston head coach who wishes he was a nine seed so he gets the home court advantage. <laughs> but uh, no, it'll be it'll be great to see you guys. But uh, yeah, man, this is going to be a very fun matchup. I mean, the obvious Auburn to Iowa ties are apparent. Bruce Pearl was the assistant over at Iowa under Dr. Tom Davis. Helped recruit Kenyon Murray, actually, whose son, Chris Murray, is one of the breakout players in America this season. Iowa's leading scorer, first team. All Big Ten, and then Matt Gatons, Iowa assistant coach, worked under Bruce Pearl from 2017 to 2019. So Nathan, you were there before we dive into the specifics. You were there for the press conference with with Pearl shortly after the announcement. What was kind of uh, his reaction to facing Iowa uh, for I think the first time in his coaching career? Actually, yeah, it's the first time, and it's the first time Auburn and Iowa have matched up. Funny enough, it's the first time they've ever matched up in football or basketball. And you would think <laughs> over the years, in you know one you name it outback bowl citrus bowl some yeah. sec big 10 tie you'd think they would <laughs> they would meet at some point um but yeah it's the first time for him of course like you mentioned it was the last time he was an assistant coach um he said you know he, he kind of hit it off the bat and in his in his press conference after selection sunday he said look the, you know the hawkeye state has a special place in my heart you know it's a it's a place where he um really sort of grew in his coaching career um over the course of seven years of course you know some good some bad you know they had the you know the infamous uh, illinois situation there yeah. Um, as well, but he is he has referenced Tom Davis, um, not even when they've had to play Iowa or having anything to do with Iowa. Um, ever since I started covering this team, you know that, that's one of, if not his biggest mentor, um, especially early in his coaching career. Um, and so you know it's special for him to to go against uh, to go against this team, especially in an NCAA tournament setting. And you also have the uh, you also have the factor of you know this game's in Birmingham, which you know, it's yeah. funny. Last season when Auburn was a two seed. And they pretty much had their pick of, you know, they, they knew they were going to be in Greenville like the whole time, um, similar to how Alabama's known. It's going to be in Birmingham forever. And, you know, fans kind of projected forward to next year. And like, well, you know, if Auburn's good again, it'd be really fun to, you know, lock down Birmingham. Well, they had, quote, an off year. You know, they still went 10 and 8 in the league, but had an yeah. off season. And lo and behold, you still end up uh, you still end up in Birmingham where we were talking before we got rolling. You know, it it should be a home crowd advantage for Auburn at the same time. 
uh, as you said, you're coming to figure out this rivalry between them and Alabama uh, is pretty ruthless. <laughs> and Alabama fans are definitely going to show up in uh, in black and gold. And I saw them on y'all's board, you know, learning some of the cheers and stuff like that. And it'll go the other way, too. I don't know how much it'll matter for Auburn fans against, you know, Corpus Christi, where Bama will probably win by 40. But, you know, maybe in the second matchup <laughs> against against Houston, who knows? But um, or not not Houston. Sorry, whoever whoever Bama gets in that uh, or Bama gets in that second game. But, you know, yeah. that obviously is the big break. For Auburn, and I think that was the biggest reaction from Selection Sunday. This has been a team that, um, in a lot of different ways, has caught some bad breaks this season. Not injury related necessarily, just a bunch of close games they haven't been able to close out. I mean, they should be if a couple more, not even games, a couple more possessions go their way this season. They're like twelve and six in the league, thirteen and five, and they're like a top four team yeah. in the tournament. And so, um, you know, for for this kind of a season to go into March Madness like this, catching a break where you play two hours down the road in uh, in Birmingham, a place you're very familiar with. Um, I think it was I think it was a big sigh of relief for Auburn. I think they're very pleased with um with where they're gonna play and I think they're pleased with this first round matchup. Should be a good one. It's gonna be interesting too. And I like how you mentioned Auburn's probably a couple of possessions away from really flipping the script on the season. Iowa it's almost the same thing. I mean yeah. Iowa had a really big comeback this season. I mean they started in Big Ten play 0-3. They lost to Eastern Illinois, which is the biggest upset by point spread in the past 25 years of college basketball. Iowa was, I think, 32.5-point favorites going into that game. They didn't have Connor McCaffrey. They didn't have Chris Murray. And it was probably the worst performance I've seen in in the Fran McCaffrey era. But, you know, Iowa heading into the last game of the season against Nebraska, if they had beaten them, they would have been a two-seed in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, that's how much of a hodgepodge the Big Ten is. And you look at Iowa – just a tale of two teams. I mean, they have not shot well and the, their home and road splits are some of the most insanely different things I've seen ever. I mean, I think there are four or five different players that are shooting 10 or more percent less or worse from three point range on the road and neutral sites than at home. And I, nobody can figure out what the cause of that is. That's been really interesting uh, to watch. But then you look at this Iowa team, they had a 21 point comeback against Indiana to get them their second win of big 10 play. I don't know if you caught this, but the Michigan State game a couple weeks ago, Iowa was down 13 with a minute and a half left. They scored 24 points in that final 90-plus seconds, force overtime and win. That was, of course, the famous Fran McCaffrey-Kelly Pfeiffer stare down, which is a tremendous meme, by the way. It's a great meme. I've used it several times already. It's going to stick around for a while. But this Iowa team, it really – I don't know what Iowa team is going to show up. I mean, we watched them go into Assembly Hall and – beat the bricks off the Hoosiers. And then we see, like I said, we've seen them lose, lose the Eastern Illinois and Iowa's got some playmakers, but as you mentioned, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting and fun first round matchups in the entire tournament, two contrasting styles, Auburn losing nine of their last, I think 13 games, but they're a much better team than I think the record indicates They're six and three point percentage perimeter defense. And also they're shooting the ball better from three point range. And that's a yep. nightmare to Iowa fans ears because they've allowed teams that typically don't shoot well from three point range to get hot against them. So I guess just give us the temperature of where this Auburn team sits right now. Sure. Like you mentioned, um, you know, nine of your last 13 games uh, are, were a loss for Auburn. Um, actually, um, it, it doesn't add up in the wins or losses, but nine of their last 13 games were also against quadrant one. Um, opponents and so there was a point where Auburn got off to a five and one start in the league um, they beat up on South Carolina beat up on LSU you know just absolutely dreadful teams um, they were off to a five and one start they beat a top 15 Arkansas team at home they were feeling really good then of course they you know over the 
the rest of the season, Bruce Pearl, Bruce Pearl kind of called it the back nine um, of their schedule, which ever since the schedule came out a year ago, you were looking at it and saying, man, that is brutal. Uh, Texas A&M twice, Tennessee twice, Alabama twice, Kentucky on the road. Um, so, you know, just really, really brutal schedule. Um, and, and as a result, Auburn hasn't put together back-to-back wins since that win at LSU and at South Carolina. Since they were given, granted, they're on the road. It's always tough to win on the road. But since they were handed the two worst teams in the league in, in back-to-back games. And so, you know, that obviously is a little bit um, you know concerning if you're Auburn. You really haven't picked up much momentum um, over, over any course this season, really, over the better part of the last month and a half. But at the same time, you know, you would look at this team on paper and say, oh, Auburn's inconsistent. You know, you, you I guess you just look at their record and obviously nine of the last 13. They've really been a pretty consistent team. They've act, they've played pretty well for the better part of the last month and a half. Again, the problem is they just keep playing some of the best teams in the country. Um, and, and they like yeah. we talked about before, they can't close out um, these games. They are. I've told people before, if you turn on Auburn any given possession in the first 35 minutes of most games, they look like one of the best teams in the country. Um, they played really, really well for the majority of games this season. Obviously, there's a couple um, exceptions. I think the best example is that of that they were up 17 at Alabama in the second to last game of the regular season. Um, yeah. Alabama has a big comeback. They end up winning in overtime. Auburn had three starters that were fouled out in overtime. That's going to make things pretty tough for you. Um, but really, just down the stretch, they've had leads at Vanderbilt. Um, they led most recently this this game against Arkansas. Like Iowa, Auburn lost on on Thursday of its conference tournament. Um, they led Arkansas with 41 seconds to go, had a huge comeback in the second half. They were down 15. Um, there's a couple other leads I'm not thinking of. They had a shot at the end where they could have um, sent it to overtime against Tennessee. You know, they've, they've just had a lot of situations like that, and the ball just hasn't bounced their way. Um, and so sure. getting a win over Tennessee on the last day of the regular season for them was massive. That put them in the tournament. Um, you know, three quad one wins. Their non-conference schedule um, is, is really strong. They played six non-conference teams that made the tournament, um, which is which is really, really good. For their uh, for their strength of schedule, of course, and their resume, and so, you know, you know, talking about you know, people have kind of asked over the past few weeks, like in press conference settings and to players, and I kind of roll my eyes. You know, what's the confidence of this team right now? Like, they'll <laughs> go up to like a senior who you know has been through this thing before, and um, you know, players just keep reiterating like that's not the case with this team. They don't they wipe the slate. It's, it's this is a this is a veteran team. It's got a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors. They know how to wipe the slate clean, and it like I just I want to tell these people like. If you go to practice the next day, these dudes, they're, they're just hanging out. Like, they're just having fun. They're just trying to enjoy the season. They are not like, oh, man, we lost by another close game. Like, I mean, this is a yeah. team that's wiped the slate pretty well. And, and I think that's why this has been probably one of the better coaching jobs of Bruce Pearl's tenure, actually, even though it's a record that maybe Auburn fans, you know, want it to be a little bit better um, this season. You still lost two All-Americans from last year, and you came back and you went 10-8 and eight in the league with a bunch of players who pretty much the main rotation of this team Last year, they were all just really good role players, and they've been asked to grow into bigger roles this season. And so I think that's probably the most impressive part of this team this season was no matter the result, if it's a heartbreaking loss, if it's a big loss, if it's a close win, they pretty much approach every game the same. And and the best example of that, they, they lost by 32 at Kentucky, just absolutely run out of the gym. The next game was when they almost beat the number two team in the country, Alabama, on the road. So they, they just, they just you know, they, they, they lock into the scout um, it's a veteran team. Again, the biggest storyline has been this them not being able to close out games um, at the end. And like you talked about, this is an eight nine matchup. These are usually pretty close. Obviously, it's the closest possible matchup you can have in terms of a first round game. This one should probably come down to the end again. And, and Auburn's going to need a better closeout in the last few minutes than they've had if they want to advance to the round of 32. 
That's interesting that you bring up the the closing aspect of that because I would argue for Iowa, I think they've closed out games pretty well this season when they've had the opportunity. I think they've missed a couple opportunities when they went at Michigan State. They're down by two. Peyton Sanford, who I think is one of the better shooters in the country, you'll look at his three-point percentage, you'll kind of roll your eyes. But this is a guy, Nathan, that had two points in the first three Big Ten games. He went 0 for 20 to start. And then I think over the past 15 games, he's shooting 47% off the dribble from three-point range. He's shooting 45% in general. This is a guy that will pull it up from the logo. I mean, he has Caitlin Clark range. I know I'm, it's not very rare that you bring up a women's basketball player with that sort of range, but she's probably the most famous athlete on Iowa's campus right now, maybe besides wrestler Spencer Lee. But Peyton Sanford's a guy that's not going to be afraid to launch six, seven, eight threes in a half against Auburn if they give him an inch of space. So I think part of this game also is going to come down to how is the game going to be called? And what I mean by that is Iowa typically, I think has struggled, especially in their motion offense when defenses are allowed to get very physical with them, when they can kind of push and grab them when they're coming off screens, the big 10 allows a lot of that, which I think has frustrated Fran McCaffrey to the point of a stare down among other things this season. But I'm very curious how the NCAA tournament is going to be called. And I'm not placing pre-blame on the officials. I'm just saying, are they going to allow that level of physicality? Because that really could determine the way Iowa tries to run its offense and maybe even the way they try to run its defense. Because if you look at Auburn's you know, offense this season, I think this is going to be a game where Iowa is going to play a lot more zone than man. Because I think Fran and company are going to sit back and say, okay, yeah, they've shot well the past couple of weeks, but if you look at the three-point percentage on the season, Iowa's been pretty good on the glass this season. So they're just going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to make the Tigers prove that they can hit some three-point shots against them. And if the, it comes down to that, they'll adjust the defense accordingly. Another thing I think I'm interested about, Iowa, despite being an undersized team, especially at the five, they're a pretty good offensive rebounding team. I think they're 66th in offensive rebounding percentage. And I was surprised to see the Auburn, I think, is like 321st in defensive rebound percentage. Yeah, That's going to be something where if Iowa really gets going in the second chance category, that really could be the difference in the game. And I think Iowa's guards do a really good job of attacking the rim and, and rebounding some of their own misses. Tony Perkins, who I think is going to be the biggest X factor in this game. I think Chris Murray – I don't even think Chris Murray has to be the best player on the floor. I think Tony Perkins has to be the best player on the floor for Iowa if they want to achieve what they want to achieve. I think four of his last eight games, he said 20-plus. The team just plays with so much more energy and confidence when he gets going. He gets the free throw line. He pulls up for mid-range. He finishes at the hoop. They run the offense through him, and when he gets going and is able to drive, you get Peyton Sanford open looks. You get Chris Murray open looks. Connor McCaffrey's proven – that he's capable of making a few three-pointers. Patrick McCaffrey, you know, he's had a very up-and-down season. He missed six games a season. He took it personally due to anxiety. He's very forthcoming about his mental health and prioritizing that. And he kind of had a slow kind of return, but, you know, I think he hit six threes in Iowa's last game. So if he can carry that over into the NCAA tournament, I think that could be a difference maker. Uh, but I'm very, very curious how physical – this game is going to be because Bruce Pearl teams, I don't think are one to lack physicality. I know some people call France team soft. I really don't get where that notion comes from. Cause when you look on the glass and everything, I think they've been tremendous, but Auburn's perimeter quickness, if they're able to get into the lane and get Philip or in foul trouble, I think that could be a big key as well. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Bruce and Fran McCaffrey can, can chat a little bit before the game about some of their, uh, 
frustrations with officiating because I mean it's been the <laughs> same way for Auburn um, this season. You know, Bruce Pearl will point to his his starting front court, Janai Broom, who comes over from from Moorhead State, was a second team All SEC pick at center, and then Jalen Williams is a senior, been a pretty efficient four man for them this season. A guy's grown over the course of his career. Um, both those guys shoot a ton on the inside, and they really don't get fouled much very often. And so Bruce Pearl's been frustrated about that. You know, for for Fran McCaffrey's stare down to kind of to kind of equal that, you have Bruce Pearl just losing his mind at the end of the Alabama game on the on the radio. Um, and so you know maybe maybe they can have some some discussions a little bit about how they'd like this game to be called. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a big key for Auburn. It has been all season. I you know when I was comparing these uh, these teams in terms of their free throw rate on 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 T rank, that was a big thing that stood out. You know, Auburn Auburn allows opponents to shoot a lot of free throws. Um, Auburn is a very good defensive team. You know, they've been top 20 in Kempom defense like pretty much all season. That's what Bruce Pearl's teams usually hang their hat on um, is defense first. Then when you get some three-point shooting going, that's when you have some of the better teams he's had. Um, but, you know, defending without fouling has been an issue. When they don't foul, it's tough to score on them um, because, they're you know, they're so pesky on the perimeter. And then Broom is a pretty good shot blocker on the interior. And so, you know, they've mm-hmm. got the good inside out defense yeah i mean that that has to be key in this game in in the games this season where it's been frustrating for auburn defensively you look at games at texas a&m at vanderbilt come to mind at the end of the alabama game you know bruce pearl has talked a bunch about look people keep saying and he keeps hearing people say oh you know who's going to take the last shot in these close games who's going to get us a bucket at the end he was like i don't care about that get stops and don't send them to the free throw line that's how you close out games and in the games they haven't been able to do that that's been the formula for the other teams able to to get a win there at the end. It, it, it's good that you bring up offensive rebounding too, because I think in addition to Iowa being a great offense and, and Auburn fans saying, all right, going to have to play good defense. Um, when we talked to, you know, a little bit about some of their offensive rebounding, I think Auburn fans were like, oh man, not again, because that game against Arkansas, um, I think Arkansas had 14, they were plus, excuse me, they were plus 14 on the boards, like eight minutes into the game. So Auburn got completely dominated on the glass. I think it finished a minus 18 margin Auburn had Arkansas had like seven offensive boards in the first half alone and so you know, Auburn isn't a dreadful rebounding team all the time but when they are it's just really difficult for them to play catch up in those games that's how Arkansas got a 15 point lead um in that game and so you know I don't, I don't think Iowa is as athletic or, or lengthy as as that Arkansas team but at the same time at the same time clearly like you mentioned they they do a good job um, on the offensive glass. And so, yeah, I think Auburn has to keep Iowa from, from, you know, these, these couple factors that I look at, at least from an outsider's perspective in terms of their stats, in terms of their trends throughout the season, a couple factors where you're saying, if they do that, they've got a pretty good chance of winning. I was looking at you know, it's, it's when they make eight or more threes, they're 13 and two. So yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe keep them from, like you mentioned, just barraging from the three point arc. That's something you got to keep off the table. Offensive rebounding. If Auburn is in trouble, that's, that's something definitely for Iowa fans too. Um, listening, Definitely watch for that early. If I was finding success on the glass in the first few minutes, Auburn has had a really tough time adjusting over the course of games. Although I, you know, I say that, and they came back against Arkansas. Um, <laughs> you know, they they kept playing defense, and that's just yeah, again, yeah, that's what this team does. They they have their issues, but they rarely get blown out. It was the it was the Kentucky game. They just completely got knocked out of their game plan, um, and they lost by twelve at Georgia. That's pretty much it. Like that. Other than that, they have played every single game close. Um, and it's been because of their defense. They just they kind of hunker down, even if they're down you know, 12, you know, 11, 15. They just keep locked into their defensive game plan. Eventually, it'll start working. Eventually, they'll start making some shots. Um, but rebounding and three-point shooting, as, as basic as that sounds, I think that's absolutely correct. And then, like you mentioned, on the flip side, Auburn's percentages don't look great 
from the three-point arc throughout the season. But like you talked about, if you look specifically, okay, how are you trending heading into March? For Auburn, it's it's on the upswing. They've done a good job yeah. through, in the three ball um, over the better part of the last three weeks. They've had guys on the roster whose percentages have been, you know, 250, 260 on the year, have climbed well above 30% from deep. I think KD Johnson, who's, who's kind of their sixth man, um, he's 50% from beyond the arc over his last nine games. And so um, you know, yeah. certainly that's a good trend for Auburn. The three-point arc on both sides is going to be something uh, massive to watch, of course, in this game. The foul rate's interesting that you bring up, too, because I think Iowa I, – I need to double-check it, but I think they've shot – I think Iowa's made 55 more free throws than opponents have attempted this season. So Iowa's very good at getting to the free throw line, making people pay, and not fouling. But if you look at Iowa's rotation specifically over the past month and a half, they're only playing seven guys, which is seven, maybe eight, depending on the situation – and that will be interesting as well. But, you know, the momentum-wise for March, I don't think it really matters for Fran McCaffrey's teams. And what I mean by that is I would argue, you look at last year, Iowa was a very trendy Final Four pick, which is kind of amazing considering they lost Luca Garza, who was the best player I've probably seen in college, at least since I started professionally covering college basketball. But Iowa was a top five offense, top five defense from February 1st onward. The only game they lost was to Illinois lost by two they missed Iowa missed a game winning three at the buzzer and Iowa won four games in four days in the Big Ten tournament and then when they got upset against Richmond every shot was short so I think they were still exhausted from the four games in four days so I'm curious how Iowa comes out in this one I mean obviously they were a quick exit from the Big Ten tournament but will that extra rest and sort of recovery time boost them to what they are capable of on offense that's going to be my biggest question. But for, for you guys and for Auburn, what, what's maybe a storyline or an X factor, or a player that's not being talked about enough going into this matchup? You mentioned Katie Johnson's hitting 50% of his threes for the past nine games. I know I've seen you tweet about him, I feel like, more in the past month than I have <laughs> the rest of the season because, as you mentioned, he caught fire. Uh, and obviously, Joni, I think, could be a huge, huge mismatch for Phillip. I think Phillip's done a really good job in a good league full of really, really talented big men. But he he's he's unique, I think, in in his play style, which I'm I'm interested how Phillips get attacked. But what's something that maybe people aren't talking about or looking at enough? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned before, you know, that's probably the best example in terms of the three point shooting of not taking a holistic approach to to a team's stats and saying, you know, okay, how are they actually playing um, down the stretch toward the end of the season? I look at a guy like Jalen Williams too, somebody I mentioned before, a fourth year senior guy who's probably going to take a fifth year. Um, I would imagine he's a guy who can make more money still playing in college and then, you know, go overseas or something after that. Um, Before the Arkansas game, I I said it talking to talking to Curtis Wilkerson, who who covers Arkansas for for 24 seven. He's like, who are a couple X factors in this game? A couple X factor players, Katie Johnson. He ended up having 20 points and he was almost the reason Auburn won this game because he's just if he starts getting confidence. I don't know how many times you've watched Katie Johnson play basketball. It's like one of the most fun college basketball players, because if he gets in his head that he's the best player on the floor, there's nobody who can tell him otherwise. It could be an incredible three-point shot, or it could be charging headfirst to the rim with reckless abandon. It's it's the best. Love it. Um, but Jalen Williams, they had gone more than a month before the Arkansas game in the SC tournament, more than a month between games where he had shot below 35% from the floor. Hmm. Um, he's got a nice, I don't know how good uh, Iowa's defense off the top of my head is, you know, right around the rim. But he's a guy, just kind of get it to him in the circle with his back to the basket. He'll turn right around. He's a, he's a lefty, really pretty floater um, that he just kind of flicks in there. I don't know what percentage he's shooting on floaters alone this season. It has to be like 70 plus. Um, it's a really good shot for him. And so 
I bring that up to say he is one of these guys for Auburn. Look, they've won before when Wendell Green's had an off night. Um, you know, it's hard for them to win when Broom has an off night, but they've done it before. Um, Alan Flanagan is a really good swing player for them, really good two-way yeah. player who's who's super bouncy and athletic. Um, you know, he'll play good defense, make one three, shoot one for five. They can still win those games. Jalen Williams, it's really tough because that's sort of your that's sort of your heat pump. You just kind of go to him in the middle and you're saying, if this offensive possession isn't working, um, you know, just just flick that floater in there. You're really good at it. And so again, before the Arkansas game, they had gone more than a month between games where he had shot less than 35% from the floor. He had been above 35 for over a month. He goes one for six against Arkansas. They have a tough time getting their offense going. You know, that's that's an important paint touch for them. You know, they get a paint touch to broom behind the basket. He's the best post player I've ever covered um, at Auburn. They just haven't, you know, Kessler just rolled to the rim. He was seven foot two. Um, sure. Austin Wiley, Austin Wiley wasn't a great post player. And so he's, you know, he's, he's got those post moves. When you mix him in with Jalen Williams and you're getting those paint touches, the guys have talked about over the last month, you know, we're like, how are you, how are you guys shooting the three ball better? They're like, well, we're getting it inside. Actually, it's less with what we're doing on the outside, but you know, we're trying to get one or two paint touches on every possession. And then a storyline. I don't, I don't know how much it's being talked about. Um, I don't know how much, you know, people have sort of looked at this trend for Auburn, um, but they do a really good job of taking care of the ball, which I understand Iowa um, does pretty well on offense. It was interesting in, you know, but people like to think of Auburn as this run and gun team because, you know, ideal, idealistically, like people think about the Jared Harper and the Bryce Brown final four run, like nationally, sure. that's people remember. They remember them, you know, rocketing up and down the floor, shooting three pointers yep. on three on one fast breaks. Obviously it was, it was hilarious. Um, but this Auburn team and really the way Bruce Pearl likes to run his offense um, you know, they were playing really fast and non-conference play and they were turning it over a bunch. Even early in SC play, they had 19 turnovers at home against Mississippi State. Um, they took a couple practices to really implement this mindset. Um, Stephen Pearl, the assistant coach, got on our podcast, talked about it at length, shoot the ball before you turn it over. Like they really put the they, they, they put the e-brake on pretty much. Like that's that's Fran McCaffrey's strategy as well. No. I think yeah, Bruce Pearl even said that in his presser, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that that has been a huge trend for this team. And now you look at, again, maybe the wins and losses don't, I'm not saying like, Oh, they're 15 and one since then, but it's like, <laughs> you just look at their offense. You're just talking about trends for this team. That's keeping them in games. They've played the best competition in the country at times. Um, you know, why have they come down to the wire on the road against Tennessee? Why did they lead Alabama um, by 17? You know, the turnovers in Tuscaloosa is like eight to one at one point from Alabama to Auburn in the first half um, against Arkansas. How did they, you know, how did they mount that comeback? slowly over the course of like 10 minutes down 15 they only had 10 turnovers in that game and so it's something where i find myself game in game again this season looking at the box score afterward and i'm like oh i only turned it over eight times and it's like it just starts to become a trend um wendell green has been very very protective with the ball he's a guy point guards catch a lot of hate you know he's caught a lot of hate from auburn fans um this season you know he's, he's kind of under that microscope as the guy at the top of the offense yep. and he takes the last shots um, too, but he's done a really good job protecting the basketball. Katie Johnson, as as fun as it is to talk about how reckless he plays, and he is he is definitely a, a runaway locomotive. Um, his turnovers from last year way way down, and so um, that's another trend to take it to take a look at in this game. Again, if you're an Iowa fan, you're kind of looking for some stats early on in this game. If you've turned Auburn over, you know, seven or eight times in the first half, that's a really good trend because this team over the past month has only trended toward ten or eleven a game. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, 
two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I think Iowa getting out in transition is going to be absolutely massive in this game. We talk about the pace of play. I understand it, and it's an easy talking point, but Iowa's – the way Iowa's offense, at least after watching film on Auburn, the way Iowa's offense is going to get going is by getting in transition, getting easy buckets, and that will lead to half-court success. I mean, I'm I'm pretty confident saying that's going to be Iowa's strategy because Iowa, when they get out in the open court, they are one of the best – teams I think at least teams in transition in the country I think Fran McCaffrey I think there's a lot of Fran fatigue among the Iowa fans right now because they have made a sweet 16 since 1999 but this is just an interesting side I want to throw out there Iowa has never been the benefit of a first round upset so when they make the second round since 1999 they've always played the higher seeded team I think they're one of the only teams in the country that's happened to uh but, yeah, I mean, I think Iowa, I think their, their offense, obviously, is going to be the big talking point. I don't even think Iowa needs to play tremendous defense. I think they need to string together two great four-minute segments and have their offense production going, and I think that will be the big thing. And Connor McCaffrey even joked about it during the press conference where we try to get him to describe this year's team. And I mentioned earlier, it's such an up-and-down team. He goes, we need to get better at playing with a lead. Like we need to have this underdog mentality when we have a lead because the, the reality is he couldn't even explain how they came back from 21 down against Indiana, how they came back against Michigan. They were down, I think, seven or eight with under a minute left. Peyton Sanford had a four-point play, had another three in that segment. Obviously, the Michigan State comeback, one of the most miraculous comebacks, I think, probably in Big Ten history. It, it's it's a weird team. I don't know what Iowa team's going to show up in Birmingham. And I'm pretty sure you can say the same thing with Auburn. What what version of the team are we going to see down the stretch? And Auburn's a veteran team led by, I think, a tremendous coach. Iowa has a very, very veteran team as well. I mean, you look coming down their lineup, these have been guys who have been around the block. Connor McCaffrey probably – and Phillip are probably the – one of the oldest senior classes in the country. I think they're 25 and 24 years old. So, I mean, they've, they've seen it all. Uh, I won't ask you for a score prediction. I think we need to save that for our, our, our game previews. Uh, but I guess just any final thoughts about the matchup in itself. And I'm not just hyping up this game because we're covering it. I really do think sure. this is going to be one of the more underappreciated first-round matchups. Like yeah. the, the, the connections, the contrasting styles, everything. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. No, I think so too. And, and, and I think there is a lot of potential, like we talked about, for a really venomous environment, which – is interesting to say talking about going to Birmingham, um, you know, but I, you know, I think I, again, Iowa fans will maybe take a little bit of uh, you know, pleasure in knowing that Alabama fans will be there to back them up. And then when that happens, Auburn fans will go even harder in, in that direction. And so I think this has a potential to be, if it's a close game down the, down the stretch of the second half, um, this is going to be 
Auburn fans are not going to be happy with the Alabama fans in the building <laughs> and vice versa. Um, and I know Iowa has a, you know, has a great fan base in all sports. And so that, that should just be awesome um, to see these teams come together. You know, like we talked about, I think, you know, looking at Ken Palm, you know, offense versus defense, this is one of the better matchups in the first round when you're looking yeah. at, obviously the number, this is the best offense Auburn's played all season. If you're just looking at the adjusted efficiency. Um, and then, like I mentioned, I'm not sure where Auburn's at. I think 22 maybe in, in defense right now. Um, but if you're just looking strictly at those numbers, it's one of the better ones you're going to get in the first round. Um, and so something has to give at the end of the day. Um, I'm glad you brought up pace. That's something Bruce Pearl talked a lot about. Of course, I just mentioned Auburn kind of putting the e-brake on, on on offense. You know, it's it's been the same for their defense. They they would love to get you in the half court. Um, I think they finished number three in the SEC in shot clock violations forced yeah. um, during the season. That stat doesn't really mean that much. It's just sort of a you know, a way to display what they like to do and how they're able to sort of stretch teams out over the course of 35 seconds. Um, you know, not not getting easy shots. You, you know, you talked earlier about the number six three point percentage defense in the country. I'd say half of that is because the SC is dreadful at shooting threes this year. Like, just look at Auburn. I think they finished tenth in the league in three point shooting, and they were 300. Yeah, that's that's point. a good point. Like, they, yeah, so most teams they've gone against have been have been pretty bad. <laughs> Um, but the, on the other side, you know, it, it is a good perimeter defense. Um, Zepp Jasper is a name for Iowa fans to know. He'll probably score two points in this game. Not an aggressive offensive player. Doesn't do very much. I if I, I if I'm a basketball player checking in and he's guarding me, I it's it would just be terrible. I mean he he doesn't let guys dribble inside the three point line. Um, you know, I've seen like a six ten guy try to back him down the post. He's a six one off guard and like he just doesn't move. It's like he's made out of concrete. Um, and so you know Auburn's got a couple of those guys. Alan Flanagan can defend like that. Um, when he's on, obviously Broom is a good defender around the rim, and so that's that's been their calling card all season. When it doesn't work, it's really hard. That's what they talk about at the end of the day. They're like, "Look, we just got to defend and rebound." Like we can we can talk about all these other factors, you know, in a, in a given matchup. But they're like, if we defend and rebound, we play our game on defense. That ends up being a ends up being a good thing for them. So I, I am interested too, from your perspective. You know, you're talking so much about the pace when teams have been able to slow Iowa down. Kind of how have they done it? Because what you just mentioned is a nightmare for Auburn fans to hear because get out in transition, you know, get three balls in transition, get easy shots in transition. That is what Arkansas did. And that is what Kentucky did when they lost by 32 in Rupp arena. So when Auburn can keep things from doing that and keep it at their pace, they've got a really good chance in these games. So I, you know, I wonder what would have kind of been some factors when Iowa hasn't had success, you know, pushing the ball this season. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of it is long possessions by when Iowa plays on defense. Look, I think the reality is Iowa's own defense, I think schematically is flawed. I think you have their big man, whether it goes back to when they had Luka Garza, they have to cover almost corner to corner. The closing out corners way too much leaves just nobody in the paint. I think teams in general have done a really good job of when you don't allow Iowa to get out in transition, forced Iowa to play long defense possessions, not even taking the first shot. I think that just inherently frustrates Iowa. Then Iowa gets so sped up and they try to make up ground for it. That actually slows the game down because they're going to force a quick shot. If it's a miss, well, guess what? They're playing their 25, 28 seconds on defense. If if Iowa gives up offensive rebounds, I think that inherently frustrates them as well because the longer possessions are just going and not taking the first available shot. I, I really think just inherently that's going to – press Iowa a little bit because the reality is I think Iowa is happy to give up two points very quickly because Iowa's mentality is we are going to outscore you we are going to outrun you quick boom okay guess what we'll force a shot up in the first five or six seconds if if we give up an easy two okay they just Iowa just banged a uh, three from the corner right 
so that's Iowa's whole mentality is it's not even so much about the points they give up. It's just about how much time and energy are they wasting on the defensive end. And that's how you inherently slow the game down for them. If that makes sense. I just think the, yeah. the running multiple plays in the same set in the same half court, not being in a hurry to get out in transition. Another way for teams that, that have done it, if they have an opportunity to get out in transition, they still won't do it. They have an easy two-on-one break. They'll just wait, get the offense set up, get the half court set up, when Iowa would probably rather just have them go out and score in a two-on-one or a three-on-two. So just forcing the game to go longer is, is I think, is really inherently frustrated Iowa because they are so running gun. Now, look, they're not going to sit there and launch a three every three seconds. There's certain lineups where if you look at like a Patrick McCaffrey, Peyton Sanford, Chris Murray, you have Phillip in the paint, and maybe Tony running the point. I'll be surprised if there's not a shot up in the first 11 seconds, 11 to 12 seconds. They are always in attack mode. There's a different set of plays, and they run a different style of offense at that point. And, again, if a guy to watch for in transition, which can really be a big energy booster, I mentioned him, Peyton Sanford. If you get a three-on-two break with him and you leave him open at the top of the key, he will pull up from the logo eight times out of ten. That's just the way he's wired, and I think Fran does a great job of instilling that confidence and giving him the green light to be able to do that because if it hits, the energy is just going to be unbelievable from the Iowa bench, and that translates to them playing better defense. Like Iowa's best defense is them being tremendous on offense. That's at least what I've seen from them this season. Yeah, and and for Auburn on the other end, talking about – Keeping up with Iowa, effort and energy is the is the key words for Bruce Pearl. That's what he talked about all season long. That's why they said they got behind against Arkansas. They have a deep lineup. Yeah, they go, they go, they they do go ten guys deep. They have a they have a walk on who plays eight minutes a game in in SEC play, and so you know they do have a deep lineup. And Bruce Pearl's expectation there is: look, if you're in the lineup, you better be given a hundred percent on defense. And 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 you'll see it if you if you watch Bruce Pearl, if you watch Stephen Pearl. Too. It's kind of it's kind of fun to watch them, you know, go back and forth and 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 Steven kind of take his cues from his dad. But you know, if there's not a good closeout on a three, and the only reason for that is you didn't run fast enough, they will lose their minds. And just because that's that's how this defense is predicated. Like that's that's where they get they don't have the best athletes in the world on this team. This is not one of Bruce's most talented teams, but it is a veteran team where he's gonna expect you to <laughs> to run your gas out, you know, every every single every single possession. And so, you know, that matchup. Again, it's just it's just a true offense versus defense um, game, and you know, I'm going to go back to how many three pointers Iowa can make. That that stat for me just really stuck out this week. Thirteen and two in games where they make eight or more. So if you're Iowa and you start getting rolling early on in the game, you make four or five in the first half. That's going to be a really good sign. I hope we get to see says Pritchard, um, who's who's likes to pull up from the oh Pey- Peyton Peyton Sanford. Peyton, I was, they're, sorry, Peyton Pritchard. No, you were, you were thinking of the the Oregon guard. The Oregon. I was. Guard. Uh, yes, it's Paul. Apologies for apologies, Mr. Sanford. But uh, <laughs> Wendell Green, Wendell Green, when he gets hot, he'll do the same thing. And so maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get a little exchange of them just you know throwing haymakers oh, from, from from the logo over and over again over the course of this game. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this has an opportunity to be one of the better games um, in the first round. And yeah, I agree. It, it's not just because I'm covering it. I, I would definitely be tuned in. Um, for this one because all the connections are there and I think it has all the makings of a game that'll that'll come down to the final minute. 
I can just hear all the Iowa fans like screaming in my ear about like when you said Bruce Pearl will get after him by not doing a proper closeout. I can just hear Iowa fans being like, why can't Iowa adopt that mentality? <laughs> because they've just seen so much. Yeah. There's times where Iowa will go, they'll chase down the corner three and they won't put a hand up. And you just, Iowa fans are sitting back like, cool, great closeout yeah. guy. They'll give up a three. Bruce, BP no, doesn't take a lot of timeouts, but sometimes when he does, it's just to grab one player and say, you better not do that again or you're not playing you're not playing the rest of the game. But he coaches he coaches the freshmen really hard too. He to- coaches the young guys um really hard and he, he he lets them know that um ahead of time. But yeah, you know, it's funny like that that you know it got a lot of traction with Alabama fans, but Bruce Pearl at the end of the Alabama game, he was on the radio and uh and basically, you know, was screaming about the officiating and then threw down the headset. It was funny to watch people be like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that." And then all of us who like you know, like we're in the building every day. Like we go to practice. We're like, I ain't nothing. Like, <laughs> still have heard nothing. Like, that is the most tame response possible. Um, from yeah, the, yeah. I mean, they they all they all feed off that. Again, it's it's not the most talented and athletic team he's had. They don't have the number three overall pick that can get you a shot anytime. They don't have the best defensive rookie in the last like five years of the NBA. You know, just blocking sure. ten shots a game. Um, yeah. so it comes a lot from effort. It comes a lot from effort and being locked into the scout. It's funny. Uh, last quick thing, we'll wrap this up. But you mentioned Bruce Pearl being tame, and everybody thought he lost their mind. I'm not gonna lie. Being behind Fran McCaffrey's bench during the COVID season was an unbelievable experience because an empty arena, yep. right behind the bench, you're hearing what Fran's saying, and oh, it's just look, Fr- Fran. I get, I get, Fran gets a bad rep. Fran's been always really good to me. I think a lot of the local media as well. But like, it is so funny, just like. I don't know if you can attest to this. Like he's such a like Fran's a good guy to just kind of pick his brain. And when you really get him going, he will go. But then right when you see the coaches just get locked into a game, it's just like a flip of a personality. It is just yep. the most insane thing. And the way I've always tried to attribute it, and I know Bruce Pearl can be really intense too. I mean, I've seen him on the sideline. There's a reason why they're mentally wired like that, and that's why they're there. It's because they are they do allow themselves to be wired in such a way that allows them to be so ingrained in what they're doing. Does that make sense? You kind of know what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, I mean, like people people would be surprised, and I don't think they obviously Auburn fans know, but you know, Bruce Pearl kind of gained this reputation. You know, he 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 joked that he loves that coaches can just wear the polos or like quarter zips now because he you know you'd yeah. sweat through it. He would sweat through every blazer and take it off. <laughs> middle of the game so like that's his reputation but then you know if you really watch over the course of the game like there's some time it's it's just that coach's mentality of like you know looking at what how do i need to coach in this exact moment because there are some timeouts where like man steven pearl and 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 west flanagan you know the assistants like they'll just be reaming these guys a new one um and then bruce will get the whiteboard and he's like all right guys um clearly we didn't run the set very well (laughs) like it like you just got to have that yin and yang and so like you know everyone who thinks bruce is one way it's 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 interesting to like you know like you said have have watched them so closely um for so long and knowing that you know they're they're capable of flipping whatever switch they need to over the course of a game like he can sweat out of a suit or he can grab a freshman and be like now listen we've worked on this in practice before you know like (laughs) making sure you know how to coach in each uh it's like hold their hand and just get them across the bridge right i watched him they have a freshman named trey donaldson um who's a he's a three-star point guard who's played played at tallahassee he's their backup point guard he'll give him like 11 minutes um he's got great hair he's got like almost like the alfred payton hair it's just kind of like really he's got the big uh, yeah and uh bruce like leaned down to him on the bench earlier this year 
and was grilling into him because he's freshman. He made some freshman mistake, and then he like nodded. He's like, okay, and then he like he like roughed up his hair like he was a dog, and then he and then he walked <laughs> and then he walked off. It was one of the best moments of the season. So yeah, this is this is definitely like last year when Auburn played Miami. Like of course, like Jim Laranega and George Mason. Like I was really young when they made that run, so I, I, I yeah. didn't have a obviously you know I didn't have a ton of respect ahead of time. Didn't know a lot about Jim Laranega. Um, but afterwards, I was like, man, this guy's awesome. He's a great coach. And so I'm excited for the same experience with with Fran McCaffrey, you know, obviously a, a very well-revered coach, excited to, to get around Iowa's program this weekend uh, and see what he's about, because obviously you know, Bruce has yeah. so much respect for him. And he's, he's been one of the better coaches in college basketball. It's interesting, too. I know I've kept saying final point, but final point about the stare down, the behind the scenes thing that people really don't know about. And Fran kind of opened up about this to uh, Jeff Goodman when he did his kind of after you know, as after podcast late at night, Fran just said, look, I knew if I said one more word, I was getting thrown out. It could have been, I love you. And I was getting thrown out. But he said, I wanted Kelly to know I was still engaged and I was still there and I'm still going to, you know, be all in this game. I don't care if we're down by 10. And that's why he said, I was just letting him know, like, I'm still here. I'm not going to say a word to you. And it was just very interesting to kind of hear the now, like, I don't know if that was actually his thought process, but like, yeah. it's amazing just to hear if that is his thought process that like, okay. Cause you see him do that. I think it was like an 18 second stare down and Kelly Pfeiffer stepped up to him too. Let's be real about that. I was shocked when he actually did that. It's like an old Western shootout type vibe, but then he goes right back in and draws up two plays that led to two, three pointers. Then obviously Iowa somehow came back and won that game, but it's just yeah. the antics of college coaches never get old. And I was so upset. I wasn't there. I was at a bachelor party, the first weekend game I've missed in five years. And I missed the oh, great goodness. stare down. I was just like, Oh, it's a good reason. It was, I imagine uh, like a little bit of that is, I mean, cause every, every fan base hates officiating. Like, I mean, it's, it's a right <laughs> or path. every call is against your team. Like, obviously. Yeah. I imagine a part of it. Like, I, I think this has been the case with Bruce as well. Like, you know, make your fan base feel vindicated a little bit. Like if you're not on the officials, they're going to wonder why you're not, on the officials um they had a they had a play florida is a is an early sec game but we were all like what is this guy doing i can't remember which which clown official it was but um it's telling wendell green to like back off somebody and he like kind of stares him down and he's talking real close to him and then as wendell's kind of walking off he's still like staring him down and we're like dude what are you doing like why are you why are you oh i remember that clip actually i did see that and bruce comes up to the official he like grabs wendell by the shoulder and he's like, hey, what are you doing? Get off of him. Like, so I think part of it is like just that vindication of like the fan base is looking at this official. They're obviously very mad at this official. I'm going to make sure that they know that I am on I am on their side. I'm on the side of our players as well. That, yeah, that was a great, obviously not as good as the Iowa stare down moment. But yeah, it was it was very like strange. That. He like followed him to the bench, <laughs> some sort of intimidation thing. I'm like, what are you doing? And Bruce wasn't having any of it. He came over and grabbed Wendell. And pulled him away. He's like, dude, get off my guy. Like, get off this college student. Like, what in the world are you doing? So, surely all the officiating will be great. Oh, absolutely. I've always told people, if you don't know the official by name, you're fine. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, Nathan, I I, I appreciate it. This went a lot longer than I anticipated, but I think we got a lot of really good stuff here. Uh, Everybody be sure to stay tuned to Auburn 24-7 sports site for everything Tigers related. They've put out a ton of good preview stuff already. They have a fantastic staff over there. And uh, Nathan, look forward to chopping up with you in, uh, in Birmingham. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it.
CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.